1: It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps.
0: Monster House presents... It's actually quite unlike anything we've ever seen before. A giant hairy creature, part ape, part man... Mr. Dog.
1: Hey there. What follows is an audio version of an interview originally recorded as part of our Monster Talk live streaming series that Karen and I hosted during 2020. As of this posting, we're not currently doing those live shows, but they are archived on YouTube. You can check the show notes for a link to this particular episode. And the live format's definitely something we're going to try to get back to in the future. These episodes do not get the normal editing treatment of a traditional Monster Talk, and because of the variety of issues that happen during live recordings, the audio quality may be wildly varied, and you should assume there will be some not-safe-for-work content, so I'm posting all these as explicit just in case. Thanks for listening, and thanks for supporting Monster Talk. Your contributions at patreon.com forward slash Monster Talk and your positive reviews on the podcasting platforms and applications that you use to listen Help us reach new listeners and spread the important message that monsters can be a great tool to learn critical thinking. We need critical thinking now more than ever. Monster Talk is hosted by me, Blake Smith, and my co-host, Dr. Karen Stolzno. If you enjoy this show, please check out our deep catalog of fascinating interviews with experts about psychology, sociology, anthropology, folklore, religion, and more. Monster Talk well all right we're so
2: professional to- I,
1: every every time I have so I on, not a fire in the back going
2: like- oh, and I've got to a- <laughs> actually right over there oh. there is ah! like- <laughs> yeah.
1: so uh this is and- uh, Monster Talk Live I'm Blake
0: and I'm Karen
1: and tonight we've got with us Banachek which will
0: Banachek get-
1: We'll get with you in just a second. Sorry. Really, where, where,
2: where's Manichek?
0: Where?
1: You're down here somewhere. You're around yeah, here. Okay. So, <laughs> Behind you. So we um we've got um uh we're monster talk uh dot Yeah, that's us. <laughs> and we uh, patreon.com forward slash monster talk. <laughs> you can support us. Uh, but we're very excited to welcome uh mentalist uh and magician and
0: the team. world's greatest mentalist. Here you go. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I, this is why I love her. So, yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, this is really exciting. We've, uh, yes. I know you know Karen already, and you've met me a couple of times. You probably don't remember that. But
0: at uh, Tam or where?
1: Well, so we met twice. Both times were at Tam. Uh, one time I, we were t- watching a, a talk, and I was sitting on the floor up near the front, and you came and sit down beside me, and uh, we, we chatted for a minute. It doesn't really matter. And then the second time,
2: we were not watching the talk. I was looking at you the whole time. Is this what you're saying? Yeah, you were very, you were
1: very gentle and kind and supportive, and I really like that. And the other time we uh, was when Bill, not touching that. (laughs) Bill Nye, (laughs) remember when Bill Nye came and did like some consulting on uh, the uh, the Million Dollar. Oh yeah, we talked about
2: the vortex. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I was, I was there for, I was one of the people in there uh, for that, which I was really excited. Uh, because uh, Bill Nye said I was doing a good job. So
0: we've been doing these shows, uh, just regular podcasts for the past 10 years. Uh, but just during the pandemic, we've had a lot of requests for something more interactive. So we do have, uh, I guess we've got people popping on and saying, hello, yes, we've got a bunch of people here already.
1: This is possible. Saying I, hi. I need to figure out how to do two windows on this. I, I moved to a new computer today. So, oh yeah, there they are. Okay, cool. I'm seeing the chat now.
0: Yeah. So we've got, we've got some people in the chat room there. Yeah. So but well, uh, Thank you, you very it's... much for...
2: So you'll have to let me know what they ask, what they Absolutely. say. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, when yeah. the
0: questions come through. But we've got yeah. some of our own questions too. So um, <laughs> we've had uh, in, in advertising this show... We've had a lot of people make jokes about a television show called Banachik. Um,
2: Blake, you've watched it before, haven't you? Yeah,
1: I, because you had mentioned it, I actually tracked it down and, and got all. I got all the episodes on DVD and watched them. I, I, yeah, not a
2: lot. I think it was like two seasons. It was exactly two.
1: Yep, yep, two seasons. Yeah. So, were, are you are you still a fan of the show? Why would I not be? Yes, I don't know. No, it's really good. I was so pleasantly surprised when I watched the first episode. It's like every once a locked door mystery. They're good. Yeah, yeah.
2: So here's the thing, right? Um, my my actual born name was Stephen Shaw. Right? I actually went by Steve Martin for a little while before Steve Martin was famous over in the UK, because uh, my stepfather's name was Martin. Different story. But um, I was doing a lot of corporate gigs under the name Steve Shaw, and I didn't even go by Stephen. It was just Steve Shaw. And I did a show one time, and uh, the guy came out. And he says, I've seen him on CNN LIES. He's done the Today Show. He's done this. He's done that. Please welcome Steve. What was the last name again? <laughs> I was like, great. So that, that same week, I had another corporate gig. I had a few corporate gigs that week. And uh, I said, hey, the last guy forgot my last name. Well, I want to do my own introduction. You know, And I was young. I was like too shy to say, this is my introduction. Do it the way it is. And I didn't have it already on a tape or anything like that. Second guy goes, yeah, I got it. Steve Shaw, no, Steve Shaw, no problem. Got it, got it. Um, I've seen him do this. I've seen him do that. And and I, he's been on this TV show. He's been in psychology today. Please welcome Steve. Oh, what was the last name again? <laughs> happened twice. <laughs> it happened three times in a row. Even on that third one, even though I was real emphasis on the name, right? And I thought, why is this happening? So I started looking at And being a mentalist, I look at things from sort of a psychological point of view. I was like, why is this happening? Then I realized Steve and Shaw are very common names. So people don't think that they have to mm-hmm. think about it. They just think, oh, yeah, I've got it. No, easy. It's easy. Um, and then the other thing, there's no real hard syllables there. And I wanted something sort of a mnemonic because I was working for all these CEOs, these older guys. And I wanted something that they would help them remember the name so there was a tv show by george with george part in it and it was called banachek now that was b-a-n-a-c-e-k spent uh, spelt the uh, the polish way right and i thought i loved that show it was sort of a mystery every episode was a mystery it was an insurance salesman and uh like a statue would be put in to a truck and then it's locked and then when it gets there it's disappeared where did it go you know that kind of thing and it would be almost very magical the explanation in a way so i love the show and i thought these old guys would remember the show as well because george part of well-known actor and um they did and they never forgot the name. And if you hadn't seen the show, you had to ask me. You had to say, "How do you pronounce it?" Because I put a C H E K because I didn't want like bounce a check with the extra C in it, or Banachek right. because that's how Americans <laughs> would say it. So I made it mm-hmm. so it It's it's basically said the way that you. Know, you you, you tried to make it idiot proof, <laughs> right?
1: Yeah, I I, I, I try.
2: <laughs> I, I try. It doesn't. Does not always work. Like if I work <laughs> over in in like Finland or something, for some reason, uh, when I do a TV show, it comes out it's Dave Banachek. I'm like. Where did they even get Dave from? I have, I have no clue. I've done research. There was a construction company, which I basically stole the website from because they hadn't done anything with it for like three years. And that was before you could actually pay to let you know when it was up or put it on auto payments, right? And uh, yeah. so I was able to get that. There's a greyhound by the name of Banaszek. There's a horse by the name of Banaszek. And there was a band by the name of Banaszek, spelled the way that nice. I spell it. Other than that, there was nothing. Now there's a few other Banaszeks around. So I don't know if people are naming their kids after me or yeah. if there's something I should know. I don't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, mean, kids, I have kids out there I don't know about who knows you know no yeah. but I, I
1: really appreciate it because it turned out to be extremely entertaining to watch those shows and uh, I've
0: got to watch them still yeah but you I've do a lot about so, them
1: yeah really a lot of fun a lot of fun
0: so <laughs> they're good so I've just got a, a brief question uh, you're in Las Vegas at the moment and uh I'm just wondering what's Las Vegas like during this quarantine this lockdown uh what's <laughs> the strip look like <laughs>
2: yeah it's very surreal right because you're used to having all these lights you're used to having traffic you're used to having people and you go down there and entire casinos are boarded up you know how like in Katrina you saw buildings boarded up right they're doing that Mm -hmm. to some of the casinos because I guess they don't want people breaking in even though they've got security and and and, Mm -hmm. like even on the streets the uh, like half of the road is blocked off so you could only go down one side or the other so quite a few people from Las Vegas are getting out on their bikes and walking down there at night, not around other people but it's just it's very surreal to go down there and see absolutely nothing we'll probably never see it that way again yeah it's, yeah
1: uh, interestingly though, it, you, we can tie george papard and boarded up las vegas together uh in the movie Damnation alley i don't know if you are familiar with that but uh he's leading a little team mm-hmm. of post-apocalyptic uh, soldiers to the promised land or something but they stop in vegas <laughs> And it's all boarded up, and uh, it's all it's all shut down, and it has George Papard. So yeah, check it out, people. Yeah. Great movie. So
2: <laughs> I'm sure we're gonna go to the A Team next, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Totally well, that's the thing. The Banachek
1: show. He was so suave. Oh my God. It's so, like you know, if you only know him from uh, Hannibal, was was Hannibal Smith, I guess. Right? Is that what his name? Yeah. Is? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Had, uh, yeah. Hannibal Smith.
1: Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, if you only know him from his Hannibal character on the A Team, you've missed out on a lot of Papard. Right? There's some classic. Yeah, yeah so, yeah so. <laughs> sorry wasn't was yeah.
2: he in pay, wasn't he also in paint your wagon i think or something like
1: that well that was Clint eastwood and uh uh lee marvin if i remember oh it was lee, lee
2: marvin <laughs> I, I get yeah, yeah, him yeah. mixed up with, every once in a while i get him mixed yeah. with lee marvin they both it,
1: early, all... early white hair yeah a lot yeah. yeah
0: we also had a few people uh who thought that banachek was the guy from to catch a predator <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't that,
1: that's just the pose in the picture I think they were like yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. which get way which guy the guy catching them the guy or? catching the predator yeah, right like, not the can, predator can we clarify this please yeah, yeah. So, the, the
0: host the host yeah. of the show so I yeah. went looking him up and oh a little bit a little bit and I think it was the suit and the tie and and your pose and everything so you looked a little bit like him but yeah I guess I guess
2: lately I get the trivago man and I get Richard Gere a lot lately. Oh, nice. Oh. That's it's, not a bad. That's I'm, not I'm, a bad comparison. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to complain. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. No. That sounds like a good. Yeah. That's just that's, that's good. That's good. So, so all your yeah. listeners
2: right now are going, "Who the hell is this banachek guy?" Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, there no. is that.
1: Well, who? Who the hell is this banachek guy?
2: Yeah. Okay. So, um, are you
1: asking me or? Yeah. You no, asking I'm not Karen? asking Karen. Well, Karen.
0: Hi. Who is banachek, I, I, Karen? I, I, <laughs> the world's greatest mentalist but a lot of a lot of our viewers are skeptics and people who've been involved in the skeptical movement uh and so a lot of them know you through the whole project alpha story uh but then we've got a lot of people who might not have heard of, of project alpha before could you give us just a little uh overview of what that was and and what your participation was in that project
2: yeah, So back in the uh, 1980s, I mean, you have to realize it was a whole different culture when it came to the paranormal, right? We look at things now and we go, oh, people believing in metal bending, uh, people believing in uh, putting tin foil on your head or, or making little pyramids and sharpening up razor blades and all these things. But you have to think back. I mean, this is a time when, you know, we had the Cold War going on. This is a time when the Soviet Union was putting out uh, videos of their psychics being able to do these amazing things, right? It was a time when Yuri Geller first came out and said that he could actually bend metal with his mind or, or could change, uh, 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 you know, solid objects in some form, some way. Um, and, and also, it was also the time when in search of, where the number one show was on television at the time with Leonard Nimoy. Mm-hmm. And they were in search of all these crazy claims that we didn't think were crazy back then, right? So we had what we felt was real evidence of ESP coming out of different governments um well, at least the common person thought that it was real evidence at that particular time. And, and Geller was making his claims and it had been studied at Stanford Research Institute and they'd endorsed it, which isn't exactly right if you start going back and taking a look. Um, but anyway, so... I guess I should start, from me, sort of at the beginning a little bit with my life. I was born in England. I left when I was nine. I went to South Africa. It was while I was in South Africa that I was abandoned by my mom. I had two brothers a year and three years old. Pretty much raised and by myself from nine. We had an alcoholic stepfather who was there, but we barely saw him maybe on Sundays. And um, there was a man on radio, on Springbok Radio, by the name of Uri Geller. Now, Geller, as I said, claimed that he could actually bend metal with his mind. And all the adults that I knew at that time believed Geller was genuine. So why wouldn't I believe it was genuine? There was a point in the radio program where Gellis said, look, if you go get a piece of metal and you bring it to the radio, you can get it to bend as well. So I went looking and my mama left a sewing kit. So I picked up a needle and I brought it to the radio and I concentrated on it. And I really believed I could actually do this. I mean, why wouldn't I want a superpower? Right. I mean, who wouldn't want the superpower, especially considering the upbringing that I was having at the time, I wanted something beyond those, you know, bad times. And, um, I believed it had been on a micro level, not a macro level, but so tiny that I could barely see it. But I, it, me, believing, I believed it had actually bent. And from there, I left there, went to, to uh, Australia with my biological dad, who had left when I was a year old, uh, moved to Colorado. And when then, while I was in Colorado, I picked up a book written by James the Amazing Brandy. And it was called The Magic of Uri Geller, The Truth of Uri Geller, depending which edition you have. And the truth, as Randy put it, was that Geller was nothing more than a magician posing as a psychic. And I didn't even know there was a subcategory of magic called mentalism. But in that book, Randy taught a method for actually bending a nail, an optical way of bending a nail. And uh, from there, I started to create other methods to bend metal objects. Now, I had never seen Gala because it wasn't TV in South Africa. It was just the radio. But I'd heard that when you watch Gala, you could actually see the metal bending. It wasn't until years later that I realized quite often when he was bending forks, he would basically just put it in a kid's hand or cover it with his hand, take his hand away, and it was bent. The keys, he used optical bends, and and the nails. In fact, Gala uses some of my methods now. Um, But I started creating all these methods to bend metal. And while I was in high school, the kids were stealing all the, the cutlery from the, the, the uh, from the cafeteria and bringing it to me. And we went to plastic silverware until I graduated. I got in trouble because I made the school bell go off early so we could get out of school early. I said I was doing it psychically, but I actually <laughs> found a way to cross the wires and, and nobody really knew. But I wrote Randy a letter. I said, look, if you ever need a kid to try to convince scientists that this stuff is real, I'd be happy to do so. And Randy said, I didn't expect to get a letter back. He said, look, if you're ever out in New Jersey, come and visit. I had the opportunity to do it. I saved up. I went out there to go see Randy. And I was really disappointed because he didn't ask to see me do anything. Um, Basically, just got to know my personality. And I found out years later, it was so that he could actually tell the parapsychologist if it ever was going to happen that, hey, um, this kid taught himself. Can you imagine if I had taught him what he would have been able to do? I think back now, and I think that statement's not exactly 100% correct, because if Randy had taught me, he would have taught me the ways of a magician, whereas because I was teaching myself in the moment, they didn't come off as magical looking. I didn't come off looking like a magician. I came off like a, just a regular kid who had these abilities, right? Um, and then the opportunity came about. Washington University uh, gave uh, was given half a million dollars by James S. McDonald aircraft to study psychic phenomena. And they put a gentleman in, in charge by the name of Peter Phillips. Now, he was a physicist at Washington U. And uh, he put out a, an Associated Press article saying he was looking for kids that could bend metal with his mind, with their minds. I wrote them a letter, and uh, they accepted me. And then I got a call from Randy, actually right after. Uh, he said, "Hey, there's this guy in in uh, in in, uh, in in St. Louis who uh, at Washington University who has been given half a million dollars to study psyche phenomena." I said, "Randy, just think of his name. Start with a P second name Pete. he said how did you know i said i've already been <laughs> accepted i was gonna let you know and it was at that point that randy told me about another kid that had already been there who had been some keys for them convinced me it was real and then that kid had called randy as well and i said can i i trust this kid and he said i don't know and the kid's name was mike edwards and uh mike and i we met each other at the airport actually when i arrived for the first time we knew immediately that um we were gonna hit it off like immediately we knew we were gonna hit it off and uh, uh, for four years, we worked with a scientist. We convinced them we were genuine psychics. So there's a, there's a lot of stories that go with this if you want them at some point. We can, you know, drop into those. Um, and then after those four years, we came out and explained that everything we had performed was an illusion. And I say performed because they were basically mini performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we were able to convince them that we were genuine psychics. Um it, it basically hit every major newspaper. Uh, we had a huge press conference where we revealed that this was all a hoax. And uh, it pretty much changed the way that parapsychological research is, is done at that time. You see, when, at a very early age, even uh, before I got in contact with Randy, I had two hypotheses of my own. And Randy had them too. And I think Mike also had these hypotheses as well. And basically it was scientists that lamented for many, many years. There was no evidence of ESP under proper scientific controls because of lack of funding. And it was my contention had nothing to do with funding. It had to do with a bias. Their bias was always, was always going to get in the way. They, in other words, they had a pro-bias. They believed in this phenomena. So rather than trying to find out if it was real, they were basically documenting what they already believed, which is not the way that you do science. You have to step outside of your own belief system. And then the other thing was that because they had PhDs, they would think they were too smart to be fooled, especially by kids. So they would not accept the outside help of somebody else like the amazing Randy, who didn't have a PhD, right? But had the expertise in magic. And that's exactly what happened. In fact, even before we went into the laboratory, Randy wrote them 11 caveats saying, don't let the kids do this. Don't let whatever, whoever, not kids, but whoever you're working with, uh, like don't let them work with more than one object at a time because they can use one object to distract you from the other. Uh, yeah. Let more than one person work at it at the same time because they can use this distraction. And so we had this whole list of things. And when we arrived, the scientists basically showed Mike and I this list from the amazing Randy and had a good laugh about it, saying, oh, well, you know, it would be way too, too, uh, too, too stringent and, and, and you wouldn't be able to perform under those conditions. And every time we performed anything, I came up with a method of doing something. I would immediately let Randy you know. Randy would shoot them a letter and he would say, if you're doing something where you might be doing a terrible with a rotor under a bell jaw, make sure they can't do this. And they never really caught on how Randy knew about the experiments. They never, <laughs> ever questioned that. And even at the very end on the reveal, I got a phone call from one of the scientists asked me, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Just looking for one, one little thing they could hold on to so they could mm-hmm. still believe in this phenomenon. Wow. So, yeah. I, did that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that, yeah. Is
1: that, do you get a... I've been interested in this a long time. Do you have a, a like was Uri Geller the first one to do spoons? Like why spoons? Why spoons? That's the thing that's been puzzling me for a while. Like, Both folks. Our fo- well folks." Or for I mean, yeah, why cutlery? Why I mean, I know obviously it's readily available, but I mean, is that I mean, like of all the things you could do with your superpowers, Why bin spoons? I don't. I don't. I never really.
2: I I don't know either. I mean, unless you're going to go to war with forks and spoons, somebody's coming at you. It's not going to help you a whole lot, is it? So, I. I I just think that. It's, it's possible that it was keys, spoons, forks, because they're just kind of readily everyday yeah. objects that are available, right? It's, it's like when I work with Chris Angel for all those years, we always try to make everything uh, very generic. If it wasn't something you could just pick up and use, we wouldn't use it in a trick. It, it, it had to seem like it was real. It was there at the moment. You know, if we're going to use a, if we're going to impale Chris, um, where are we going to impale? Are we going to get this weird looking sword and do it? No, what we're going to do is be walking past somebody's yard and then we impale him on the fence. So it's generic and I think probably that's why with Geller where it came about originally was it was just something that was very generic. Who knows, maybe he was at somebody's house, he picked up a fork and he started rubbing it or doing something, said he did it with his mind and it went over well. I, mm-hmm. I don't know the whole story on that. I, would oh, judge, yeah,
1: yeah. So I didn't yeah. know if it predated him or not. That's interesting.
2: Yeah, I mean there were there were coins that got bent before that, but that was more of a feat of strength bending yeah, the coins. Say, yeah, that was okay. so art, many, man. many bending nails would be a feat of strength. Right. Um, the only thing that I do know that was before Gala, which was an optical bend, was a you know the stir in like martinis and drinks, the plastic stir. Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, there was yes. something, and I think it was either in Jinx or I. I it was in one of the magic magazines i don't know which one and there was bending the, that by by just holding it up and staring at mm-hmm. it and melting it with your eyes not brain power but with your eyes so yeah neat yeah
0: so uh yeah you have you um, i guess you have figured out but there there's more way more than one way to to bend a uh, a fork or a spoon or a key yeah, um, yeah. so have you figured out what Yuri Geller his tricks or are you just kind of replicating them in the various ways that you can or is there one specific way that he does it yeah
2: when I saw Geller originally I was very disappointed and and I actually saw him at a convention where I when I was posing as a psychic and I'm sitting in the front and I'm watching him do what he does mm-hmm. and I'm going don't they see this but I'm in a room <laughs> full of believers like it's just yeah. a room full of believers I'm looking I'm going because there wasn't much technique to it there wasn't a whole mm-hmm. lot of technique to it it was more misdirection but if you're not misdirected Surely you would mm-hmm. see it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he, his methods were very, very crude. But keep in mind, um, at that particular time, nobody else was doing this. So if you don't all know right. what to look for and if you believe in it, um, okay. I, I, yeah, I, I had, like I said, I hadn't seen yet. So I started creating all these different methods for bending objects, which if you take a look at anybody who's bending metal objects now out there, any mentalist is actually doing it, it's mm-hmm. derived. Usually from something that I put on my DVD series, which was called Psychokinetic Software. that's out there that teaches people how to do this. What was really mm-hmm. interesting when I did that DVD is because it was very instinctive for me of just doing these things that mm-hmm. I didn't really think about how or why I was doing it the way I did it. So when I had to teach it, I had to break down each one of those bends and go okay, this is why I do this. This is why I do this. And then I would have to question myself. Is that really why I was shaking it slightly or holding it in this position? Or am I just making an excuse up for something that I'm just, I've always done. That's been a habit. And I found there were a couple of those little things in there, but the majority of things were just instinctive for me. I'm, I'm a troubleshooter. You give uh-huh. me it. When I worked with Chris Angel, we'd sit in the room and we'd have to come up with about 350 different tricks that we want to do in two weeks. Um, And 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 that was really, that's the hardest part is what do you want to do, not how do you do it. Because Mm -hmm. the how is easy. Like if you give me something you want me to do, I can probably come up with multiple ways of doing it. And this is one of the problems with when people say, well, why don't you just teach the scientists how to do these things? I feel like I'm setting them up for failure if I do that. Because... I could teach him two or three methods, but for everything I do, I usually have about seven or eight different methods of being able to bend a key or bend a fork, right? Mm -hmm. So if I teach you one method and then somebody else comes along, does it a completely different way, but very convincing, you might Mm -hmm. be set up to go, I know the trick and they're not doing a trick. This person has to be real. Because I know the paranormal one. Exactly, right? So much better to bring somebody like myself who understands the psychology. I know if somebody's looking in a certain direction or if they're holding something in a certain way, it kind of the body language triggers to me. Okay, this is a trick. What are they doing at that point? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to teach that instinctiveness of knowing how to read somebody's body language when it comes to an effect or a trick. I, I can usually tell immediately if something's being done by a magnet by the way that the properties and the way that it's acting. But a regular lay person, they have absolutely no idea.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's,
1: that reminds me. So, like, one of the things that I think people run into when you become a skeptical investigator is that if you don't believe in stuff by default, you're considered to be dogmatically skeptical and a, a doubter and a denier. And so like, there's oftentimes we see stuff and I know that's not real. Like, can I figure it out? Like if I yeah. take that position, um, I, you, the people who do believe in it are not gonna be very happy with me because I've already started from a position of not believing. So do you, do you um like when you see tricks and you don't know how they're done, do you, do you still feel like, you're being a good skeptic when you go, I don't, I don't know how it's the, but I, got, I know that's got to be a trick. Like, do you, do you like, how do you work through that?
2: I think there's, there's no, there's no reason you can't say to yourself, I don't know. I don't have enough information. I don't know if it's real and I don't know if it's real. Yeah. Right. So you, I think that's sort of a good position to come from to where you don't immediately make up a decision. You might go "Well, there's something about this that doesn't feel right. There's something about it that doesn't look real. Let me investigate it and find out if I'm right. So, yeah, yeah, and, and I think I think it's also it's healthy not to believe in every single thing that comes your way. I mean, this is the problem. A lot of people say to me, they say, "Banachek, you know, what does it hurt to believe in these things? You know, what does it hurt to have somebody, um, you know, telling you that they can actually read your future from the palm of your hand? You know, or tell you everything about you?" And I think what it does is it chips away at critical thinking to the point to where you start accepting things. So when we get into a situation like this pandemic that we're in you're you, you're willing to believe anything and everything or you just or you go to the other extreme side where you go side where you go okay it's all a conspiracy theory I'm just going to go out there and I don't care because I don't believe in any of this you don't start thinking about any of the things from it from a critical point of view because that's it's been so eroded from you
0: that yeah. anything
2: anything that that makes that goes along with your belief and this is the other problem too I have a, a show that I do called telepathy Um, and, and it's basically, it starts out all about my life. Right. Well, and, and, and it talks about, and and I perform things as if I'm a genuine psychic, like as if I'm really, really real the whole first half of the show. And then to the point to where I end the, the first half doing something that I feel dirty and nasty, like really bad because I'm talking to people's dead relatives (laughs) And I think it's disgusting. I think it's horrible. And I know I'm taking advantage of these people. And I know that I'm I'm messing with them emotionally in that particular moment. I know that I'm doing this, right? But I need those people to have the same emotional feeling that they would have if they went to a genuine psychic. Because Mm -hmm. if I simply tell them this is not real straight up front, they're going to say, yeah, but I had this one time when I went to a psychic. And they're going off that emotional response, that emotional feeling they have. But if I can create that in my own show... Now, when we come back from the second half, I can start telling them that this stuff is BS. Why can I say this? And I can also apologize to them in that second half for messing with them emotionally. But I need to do this. I need to get them to have that exact same feeling. And there's a reason I told you this, and I don't know why. It had something to do with your question. What was that question? <laughs> <laughs> All the time I oh, we- it. It just
0: was, chatting in general. Yeah, okay.
2: well, it was. It was. You don't even great. Great. Yes, you don't even remember.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, it, it was to do with the. Uh, that's great. How do you approach these sort of problems when you you know it's not real, but you can't be sure how it was done? Yeah, that's yeah, where we yeah. were. Yeah, that's yeah, where we yeah. were.
2: And I, I think it. I, I think it's a thing of really. That's almost the position you should come from, not just accepting mm-hmm. things at face value, like anything, right? Okay, so you're a religious person. That's fine, but don't accept any person that comes along and gives you some sort of spiel from a religious point of view, right? Yeah. Because he may be a scam artist, like Peter Popoff. Uh, he, you know, they may be trying to take advantage of you. Because here's the thing: this is oh, that's why I went into the show. Because at the end of the show, I said, "Look, I'm not trying to tell you what you believe. Believe whatever you want to believe, as so long as you're not hurting anybody else. But keep in mind that for every belief that you have, there is somebody out there, a wolf in sheep's clothing, who is willing to take advantage of your belief." And they're going to take advantage of you. So it's that whole thing of like Randy, uh, I think it was Randy, I can't remember who said it originally, but saying, you know, look, I have an open mind, but don't have such an open mind that your, your brain falls out, right? And I, I think it is that thing. You see, like you've got to be careful of that, but on the extreme side as well, you've got to be where you don't have such a closed mind that nothing else can get in. Yeah. Right. So absolutely. Yeah. Any any information you're coming coming from, you, especially in this day and age, I think you need to be skeptical of. Like you just need to automatically be skeptical and, and, and be a critical thinker and do your own research and not just things that go along with the way you want it to be. But look at the things that go from the opposite side, too. And, and, it, and it's, it's a sad thing, too, because if I'm talking to somebody and let's say I'm talking to somebody who believes in mediums, right? It's a sad thing because if I don't give them anything in return, I'm just leaving a gaping hole there for them. Right. So for me, it's much better for me to give them enough information so they can start doing their own research and make mm-hmm. up their own mind rather than come in and get in a huge argument with them and tell them they're stupid, they're idiots, and blah, 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 because they're not stupid and they're not idiots. <laughs> you know, We need to be a little <laughs> compassionate about these things.
0: Yeah. And you just got me thinking because uh, I've been paying attention for the past few years. I've been working on other projects. But uh, John Edward, I don't think he's got a TV show at the moment, and Sylvia Brown has has now passed. And I'm just wondering, are there any TV shows out there at the moment? Uh, can I, can I, the, I say can I say
2: the word bitch? I just did. Sure. So. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have to beep it out? Yeah. yeah. No. 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 no, 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 no. no. I think she died. It. I think she died when she died on purpose because I literally was doing a show with Chris Angela, and I had just written. Up a whole bit about Sylvia Brown, and she would have died okay. the next day. So it was totally <laughs> irrelevant. <laughs> but
1: that, there's one way to stop her. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but
2: you, you've still got a lot of psychics out there, like Tyler Henry. I did a piece uh, for Vice TV not too long ago, and okay. it was it ended up being like edited in such a strange way that I felt like there was no real ending to the piece i felt like maybe something else another piece they had and dropped out or they couldn't use it for legal reasons so they oh we need your no. piece and they put it in there um, but one of the interesting things i saw they had me look at a video of tyler henry and he has this folder that he scribbles in and he always scribbles in it when he's upstage and it's always accurate information but mm-hmm. then he closes the folder and he walks up front and he does a lot of what he does a lot of cold reading yeah. and the moment he starts <laughs> missing on the cold reading he steps mm-hmm. back up on one stage, opens up his folder, and goes back through it. I believe um, that he actually has information written in that pad.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it. Or it's automatic yeah. writing.
2: Yeah, oh, that's what he's trying to say it is. But I don't believe that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he's so accurate with the automatic writing, but with the cold reading mm-hmm. part, he's not. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Well, that, wow. That, so, so that's an interesting point. So you're a mentalist, and there's so much uh, – around mentalism for being able to do things well there, and there's there's lots of different ways it's done and i'm not here to like unmask right. it and i'm certainly i'm not qualified even right. if i wanted to but the, the but there is stuff like billet reading and a few other things that are like common to uh spiritualism and uh that that sort of thing and it's like one of those things that now that i'm aware of it I have to say, well, wait a minute. How did this even become a method? Like it, it clearly started as a trick and became mm-hmm. an, a part of a bigger movement. Like it's being used in different ways. These, these, these mechanisms, and it's just surprising to me because um, the the fact that what is effectively stage magic is being used in ways that are just uh, dis- deceptive in a I, okay. I'm going to say in a dishonest way. If stage right. magic is honest because everybody knows it's a trick then these are being done mm-hmm. in a dishonest way because they're being presented as as absolutely real paranormal yep. uh- Event. Yeah, but you'll
2: be amazed at how many mediums created a lot of this that magicians use. I mean, we magicians borrow a lot from mediums and, and, and items they came up with. Some of the things that I've created and invented have come as a result of reading stuff about psychics and what they supposedly were able to do. So it's not always the opposite way. Yeah, a yeah. So it's, a, stuff, it's bidirectional. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Some people enjoy the waves or whatever, uh, crashing, and I enjoy listening to a quantum physics audio book. I do think there are many things in the world that we just don't understand yeah. and probably won't understand. That's our yeah. whole show. <laughs> so
1: join us every Wednesday on all major podcast platforms and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at ChinwagPod and Wagon. We've got a podcast recommendation I think will be really fun and or useful for Monster Talk listeners i know dino the big dinosaur podcast
0: studying dinosaurs can teach us about the prehistoric world but also the world of today for example migration patterns of dinosaur lineages can tell us about the earth's changing continents
1: climate models of dinosaur ecosystems help us understand global
0: warming studying dinosaur diets can help show the link between plant and animal evolution
1: Talk about paleo. Hmm. In many dinosaur injuries, (laughs) paleopathologies are the first known occurrences of diseases.
0: A new episode of I Know Dino comes out every week with new dinosaur discoveries you won't hear about anywhere else. You can find I Know Dino on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: And and can you talk a little bit about how magicians share information? Because I know that there's ways that they and I say share. It's it's usually for sale, right? I mean, it's like when you when you're like giving information.
2: It, 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 it really depends. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I in my, when I started out, there was uh, you could get books, and you could you know if you knew where to go, you could get these things. Um, but it was kept more secretive than it is now so much is out there you can just type anything into youtube you can actually find it it's one of the things that i tell a lot you know i used to get so much crap in the early days a lot from uh mentalists because i was one of the first ones that really came straight out with a very hard disclaimer saying look i'm not real i'm not a psychic um, mm-hmm. And there were a few mentalists that said there's no place for a fake mentalist. And I'm like, well, wait, no mentalist <laughs> by very definition a fake. It's what <laughs> we do. Otherwise, we would call ourselves psychics. Why would we have a whole separate name? Every yeah. magazine that we have as a mentalist is dedicated to doing tricks you know, it's, it's like the, the methods are there for us. We're not sitting here saying that we're real to each other because that would be real, right? So they would get really upset. And then I came in really with, uh, I'm not the first one to do the whole psychology angle, taking my five known senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense. And they always come back and they say, oh, there's more than five cents. Yeah, but you know what we're saying. We're just playing semantics when we get to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but and Ned Rutledge, uh, who was a mentalist, came up with that term, taking that, that quote, take your five i known senses to create the illusion of a sixth sense, and and Randy introduced mm-hmm. me to that. And I called Ned up, and said, "Look, I'd love to take this and run with it, and use it in my books, and and try to get a whole new direction for mentalists to go." And, you know, where we're using verbal, nonverbal communication, magic. Don't get rid of the word magic because we're definitely using lots of magic, uh, mm-hmm. perceptual, non-perceptual manipulation. But we're using all these things to create a show. I have effects in my show that rely solely on psychology, but I have backups that use tricks to get me out in this case of psychology doesn't work. And I'm using psychology all the way through my show to make the trick effects work even better. Like this choice is a better outcome than say this choice, either choice will work, but this one's going to be more impressive than that one. So if I got, if I got five objects and I need one pick, where am I going to put it? I'm either going to put it on the second place. or I'm going to put it in the third position because there's more chance of it actually being selected. Right. So I do use a lot of psychology in my show, but the problem becomes when you get too far into that, a lie becomes a lie becomes a lie, right? So saying you're psychic is a wrong and it's a lie. But if you start saying everything you do is NLP, neurolinguistic programming, <laughs> or just pure psychology, once again, you align to your audiences. And I think as a mentalist, you leave yourself up Fairly to be exposed, right? Because you're no longer saying it's a trick. You're not being honest. So a newspaperman has the right to come along and expose your trickery. But the bad part about that is if they expose your trickery, they're exposing the trickery of the good guys, the good mentalists, right? The guys that are like magicians. When you go see a magician, you have an understanding that you're seeing a trick. It's the context of it, right? A lot of mentalists will say to me, they say, well, Banachek, you know, if you were doing a play, you wouldn't stop in the middle of the play and say, hey, I'm not really Macbeth. And I'm like, yeah, because it's the context. <laughs> and they use this and they believe this is sound logic, right? And I'm like, no, you know, that people come, they know it's a play. When you go see a magician like David Copperfield or somebody like that doing stuff, it's the lines have now been blurred a little bit. But normally yeah. when you see, go see a magician, it, you understood they were going to fool you. You went in, you were entertained. You didn't really try to figure out the tricks necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. But when they come see a mentalist, most people have never seen a mentalist before, although it's becoming more and more common, but they still don't quite understand what it is. (laughs) If I have a group of people coming that believe and are true believers, they're going to believe no matter how much I tell them it's not real doesn't matter what I say. Even if I show them how a trick's done, they're not going to believe. I'm going to have a group of people that aren't going to believe, skeptics that aren't going to believe no matter what I say. But there's mm-hmm. a large group of people in the middle who have never seen a mentalist before. And those are the ones that I have a real responsibility to. I don't want to change their beliefs because I'm there to entertain them. I'm not there to lecture them. So it's my job to remind them that, hey, this is a trick, that, hey, this is not real. Hey, I am not a psychic. And I think that's really, really important for me to do with my audiences. I don't think it's fair when a skeptic comes to a mentalist show and the mentalist is saying, hey, I'm not a real psychic. And then they start exposing the tricks or they go off and write an article about this mentalist that they saw and they expose the tricks or a magician. They expose the tricks Because I feel like it's kind of like it's not cool. It's just not cool for it because you're ruining it for those other people that want to go see the show. When you went to go see it, you were amazed so much that you wanted to look it up and try to figure out the methods. Maybe you went online, bought a couple of Banachek's books, right, and Mm -hmm. read them. Now you know how the secret's done and you want to tell everybody how the secret's done. Why? Why can't you just tell them, hey, he says he's not real. He's not a real psychic. He's not.
0: And they could be wrong too. you—you
2: you actually- I, I, I have had people give explanations for my tricks and, and mm-hmm. they've been completely wrong. wrong, completely <laughs> wrong because they do know a method like we talked about before and they assume mm-hmm. that's the method that I am using. But you are,
1: you, you are really Hamlet though, right?
2: <laughs> okay, you know what? We agreed before we got on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about
0: this. to edit this bit out. Uh, but speaking about shows that uh, purport to be true in context ghost hunting uh we we talk about a lot about ghost hunting on this show and uh, there are a lot of ghost hunting shows that have been around for for decades do you have any interesting behind the scenes information about how some of these shows operate and how the uh producers try to keep things exciting for
2: audiences I was approached a couple of few different times by different networks to work on these shows behind the scenes. And the idea was less was better than more. So basically just a small little thing happening. And that's what they wanted me to create. However, I did not take them, but I do have some people that I know that have taken those and they're, they become part of the crew and they make little things happen behind the scenes. So sometimes wow. quite often, even the investigators have no clue how that hairbrush fell off the table or what that little <laughs> EVP sound was, or, or wow. why, um, you know, it's as simple as taking a walkie talkie. Even, you know, you press the walkie talkie, mm-hmm. it's going to set the EVP readers off, you know, I mean, not the EVP, the, um, my brain just did that whole thing. The uh, E-M-F. yeah. Thank you very E-M-F. much. K- yes.
0: K-2. I, I know it was an E. I know it was, an <laughs>
1: definitely an e word definitely yeah. an e. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. thank you yeah you're very good john
2: yeah. so so just pressing your walkie-talkie will set that off you know there's there's all these little tricks that that we could use yeah I, I
1: i'm highly suspicious of any emf stuff because everybody's carrying around phones like everybody's carrying around so much equipment yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, i've got a, i've got a great thing where the guy having the emf we did a thing with chris angel and it was like I'd set up this place um, in Sweetwater, uh, Amagosa Hotel, and uh, I'd set up all this stuff to fool these investigators when they came along. And the moment they got off the bus and they were talking, I was like, I told my guys, just said, nope, we're not using any of that. We're just going to use pure psychology to get them. And, and that's exactly what we did. But I've got a great tape of where we're in the opera house. And um, they're holding a camera here and they're taking the reader and literally it comes over by the camera. He's like, there's something right over here. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, your camera. It is
1: It is tragic to watch that unfold. Uh, yeah. yeah, it really is. But,
0: but they, Yeah, there's certainly a lot of psychology to that with people feeling cold spots. And I think that it, it, they really go it, into was... these things expecting something to happen.
2: I had a, what what I did was, I'll I'll give one thing away. I don't like to give real real secrets away, but nobody will ever be able to use this. But it, so it's, it's so there was one thing that we wanted to bring a bunch of celebrities and we had to walk through all these rooms and we had them feel what they felt was like, you know, do you feel a ghostly presence? Do you feel weirdness? Do you feel anxiety? Do you feel anything in any of these rooms? Mm -hmm. And all the celebrities felt the same in the same room, the exact same thing. What we had done was actually we just switched the number on the door around each time. <laughs> as, so as they're coming out of the room, you see the number on the door, and they're walking out of it, and all the doors are the same, right? But then when we did it with the, uh, with, 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 the re, with the people coming in, they simply as simple, well, I mean, with the actual investigators, I'd say, now this room I really want you to pay attention to. And of course, just using those words alone. This room, I really want you to pay attention to. Like, one got sick, wanted to throw up. One got a headache, and and it was just simple language that got them to go Mm -hmm. ahead. So that when we show the actual video to everybody later on, you know, the 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 celebrities were impressed. You know, the paranormal investigators were impressed, and it was definite proof that something was going on in this one particular (laughs) room. Yeah. Now,
1: do are you? It is. It is. Are, Are you? A lot of magicians I know are, like, big nerds about historical magic. Are, are, are you that way? Do you, like, have, like...
2: Uh, I don't want to say... I don't hate magic. I love magic, but okay. I get I get bored with magic sometimes because I know so much. Yeah. And my life is so much more than just magic. I, I You know, I can't sit... I have a few times sat in a room with people where we do a lot of card stuff, but I, I'm not that guy to sit there and do, like a hundred card tricks, right. Or watch a hundred card tricks after two, three card tricks, my brain is like, okay, that's enough card tricks for me right now. Right. (laughs) That was truly amazing, but I don't want to sit here. My life is so much more than that. Um, You know, you know, I have family, I have friends, you know, I want to get out in the world. I read books. I do, you know, I'm eclectic when it comes to my life. So it's not just one thing that I want to concentrate on when it comes to magic. I love magic history. I love more the stories that go along with the history of the different magicians, you know, how some of them are gun runners and, and just, you know, the things that they did back in the day. And I I love all of that kind of stuff. Um, But, but really the actual history of a specific effect, it just doesn't interest me that much. Although I think those people should definitely get credit for their creations.
1: So are you autodidactic? I mean, do you like just constantly try to educate yourself with whatever you can?
2: um anything and everything in life yeah yeah like all over the place if that's what you're asking well i
1: am because i, I know randy is and then yeah so, so is pin
2: yeah
1: i don't know what taylor's background is but uh yeah I was just I, I is that common among magicians or just the ones i like uh, is that, what?
2: <laughs> uh, i don't know who you like so it's hard for me to tell you um and who you all don't those like <laughs> well those three yeah. i just
1: mentioned yeah sorry
2: <laughs> yeah i i think we have i think the thing that we have in common that group uh, that you mentioned is we thirst knowledge. We thirst knowledge about many different things, right? I, I'd like I'd rather know a little about a lot of things. I'd rather know a lot about a lot of things, but I'd rather know a little about a lot of things than a lot about one thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That is a that's a good approach. So yeah, and
0: uh, you mentioned that uh, Peter <laughs> Popov way back at the start of the the interview. Yeah. And uh, you were involved in the expose that I guess everyone seems to have forgotten about today. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's come back in so many different iterations. Could you tell he, us a little bit about that original expose?
2: His son is now doing it. Like they're raising his, the, his um, son to actually take over the, the ministry. Yeah, I didn't know so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you saw Jim Baker recently just got in trouble, right, because he had yes. the bottle of the, the water and said it would heal COVID. And, yeah, yeah, oh, he's, yeah. He, he's in trouble all over again. Um, so back in the 1980s, and I think it was around 1987, the Amazing Randy came to Houston, Texas, and he was writing a, uh, an article with Evangelist for, uh, oh, I don't know if it was Hustler Magazine. It was one of those. It was either Hustler or Penthouse, one of them. And uh, he said to me, he said, hey, would you like to come along and see this Evangelist with me? I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So we showed up at one of the biggest auditoriums in Houston, Texas, um, probably about, I don't know to 10,000 people. I don't know exactly. It was a while back, but it's 10,000 people, a lot of people there. Um, and uh, we show up and, uh, you know, you see the regular preachers are there and everything and everybody's excited. And then Peter Popov hits the stage and this was the evangelist, and he comes out, he's like, Mary Jane, I'm just making names up now, but Mary Jane, you're back in section uh, F, F, F2, you know, it says, and you're wearing a, a yellow outfit, where are you, Mary Jane, stand up, your doctor's Mr. Johnson, you know, and he says that you have, uh, you have a, a you know, a, a lump on your breast, you know, and it's cancerous, and he's giving him all this information, right, and he does this multiple times, and then he starts healing people of uh, cancer, he, he starts healing, uh, causing kids that can't walk, to walk again, enable him to walk again. Um, and, and just it, it, the blind can now see, and it's very emotional. I'm getting caught up and I'm having tears in my eyes, but I know it's all BS, but you just get caught up in the emotion of this. Yeah. And then there's a point when Popoff wants to collect money. So he asked for volunteers yeah. to come down. I run down there and I get a bucket and I walk around the room and I must've had about in cash, $10,000 at least in my bucket. I, and keep in mind, there's like 15 buckets, right? And so I walk down and I have to walk outside to come back around. I'm looking at this bucket. I'm thinking, if I was not ethical, I could leave this building with this money right now. and Nobody would ever know. But I'm, I'm, I'm ethical. So I come back, I give the money to this unethical man. Um, and then he gives me another bucket and to get sealed offerings. So now I've got to go around. People are writing checks and different things and putting things inside of envelopes. I give that. So God knows how much money, well, not God, but anyway, Popoff knows how much money is in that bucket, right? And then he gives me a third bucket and I go around and now I've got to go collect anything else that people want to give. And they're giving watches, couplings, things like that, right? Any jewelry they're putting in this bucket. I come around, I give that to him. And as I hand it to him, I look up and I notice he has no ear hole. In other words, he's got something white inside there and it looks like plastic. So I come back to Randy. and I say, look, Randy, either this man or God, can't heal himself and he's using a hearing aid or something else is going on and somebody's like communicating with him and Randy was like no I don't think so at first (laughs) and uh, Randy thought he was using mnemonics now I know I use mnemonics in my shows right Mm -hmm. so I because I have a really bad memory anyway so I need these little (laughs) memory cues things in my head that I use and I'm, I'm like no I know something about mnemonics either you memorize a lot of things about a few people or you memorize a few things about a lot of things. We don't memorize that much information about that many things. He said, are you sure? I said, I'm pretty sure. So then Randy uh, ended up going to uh, Peter Popoff's uh, next revival, which was in Upland, California. And um, he got a friend of ours uh, who was an electronics expert. And our electronics expert friend uh, checked all the uh, frequencies that were in the area ahead of time, way ahead of time cut all those out. So we wouldn't, you know, have to look for those later on and then uh, started looking for new frequencies. And sure enough, the moment that Peter Popoff hit the stage a new frequency, the frequency of God showed up. I think it was, I think it was like 39.17 megahertz, but I could be way off on that because I'm dyslexic and numbers mess with my head. Um, and, uh, we ended up taking on The Tonight Show. And what you see originally is the edited version because they used to edit every single one of their uh, shows for TV. You see the edited version that Popoff showed on TV, Popoff coming out, talking to the audience. But then they show that same edited version again, but they show it with the voice that we actually catch it. And it turns out God is Peter Popoff's wife and uh she was feeding him information and some of the stuff we got was really really horrific you know there were a mm-hmm. lot of racial slurs uh mm-hmm. you know joking with peter about not touching the woman's breasts you know that has cancer mm-hmm. and she's coming down the aisle because he'll be mad for at us. her um and just a lot of disgusting nasty things mm-hmm. and them laughing about you know the people that they're supposed to be healing um took a mm-hmm. while for pop off to disappear like at least a year for him to disappear at that point Cause at first he said hey we had hired an actress to imitate P- Peter Papa's wife and then when it was pretty obvious that it wasn't you know an actress he said well so I thought everybody knew that you know sometimes I enhance the word of God uh, by by getting this information and the way they got the information was multiple different ways right so mm-hmm. one way people fill out these little prayer cards And they put them in a box. So they would just switch out the prayer box and that would go outside. Another way was Mrs. Popoff would come out and people come to these things hours ahead of time to be healed. They leave the hospital on stretches to come there, right? Which against their doctor's orders to come there to be near this man of God. And she would come out, she said, hi, Mrs. Popoff, I hope that my husband gets to you this evening. where are you from? Who's your doctor? Well, okay, well, good talking to you. They should go out, write that information, the best information down. And that was some of the information. So they called the cars, they did that. And then there's the old Catherine Coleman trick, which is the old wheelchair trick. And what, what this is, is basically they look for somebody with a cane that's not walking really well. And they say, you know what, we could put you in a wheelchair, put you right up front, you'd be near the man of God, Popoff himself, and, you know, maybe he'll get me. Who's going to say no to that, right, if you're a true believer? Mm-hmm. So you get put in the chair, and as he's walking along, one of, you know, Popoff's helpers is walking along, would say, hey, where are you from? What's your name? They'd get all the information that way. So when Popoff comes out on stage, he can look down at the person, he tells them their name, he says, I've never spoke to you before, we've never met before, is that Right. Absolutely true because one of his other people did, right? He takes their cane, breaks it, throws it up on stage. Now, keep in mind, nobody ever questions, well, a person can't walk. Why would they have a cane? And he would even say to them, you know, he says, uh, your doctor says you'll never be able to walk again. And of course, they always say yes because they're not going to question this man of God. They're going to figure he probably means never walk properly again. <laughs> At this point, this person in the wheelchair has all this attention. They have all this, you know, the endorphins, the adrenaline's flowing through their body. You know, they're all excited. They're feeling better at this point, feeling less pain in that particular moment. And then we get to that moment where Popov says, stand up. And the person stands up, and to everybody else that 's a miracle because this is the way they presented it, right He says, "Take a few steps. The person takes a few steps. they could do that already, but keep in mind they 're also feeling all this energy in that moment and then Popoff sits in the wheelchair, and says, "Go to the back of the wheelchair and push me." The person goes back to the wheelchair now basically they have a walker, all they 've got to do is keep up with the wheelchair. They push them, Popoff takes a wheelchair, puts it back where it was, and says, "Now that 's your chair right And they say yes." To the audience, they think that's that—that's a person's wheelchair. But it's no different if you were at a movie theater with me and you come walk me, I go, that's your chair? You say, yes. Yeah. You're not going to yeah. take a chair home with you, but it is where you're sitting, right? Yeah. So yeah. you're yeah. going to say, yes. So the miracles happened. But like I said, it took about a year for Popoff to go off the air. Um, he disappeared. But as you said, he's back bigger and better than ever. But he's really um, going after the Black community right now because the Black community okay. is also a community that really doesn't know Peter Popoff. And keep in mm. mind, this is now a have gone by as a result so
0: yeah well I think you highlight a really interesting point too when you were talking earlier about the kinds of things that uh, Popov was was receiving from God the kinds of messages uh, that he had information about that person's doctor and the street that they lived in lived on Um, the mediums today don't seem to go into that much detail they seem to be a lot more vague that they're not as specific they talk about oh I'm getting an A Name uh, or a name beginning with an A, and I'm getting someone who's died of cancer, and then they kind of whittle it down to yeah. to one or two people in the audience. But uh, yeah, it's just just interesting to see those trends in in the way that this is.
2: He's yeah up. well it's a it's, it's a smart way for me to go because you look at pop-off now he says somebody out there has a headache somebody out there has cancer and and he will have prayer cards and read off names to a few that maybe he just makes names up who knows you know <laughs> looks for oh, yeah,
0: with names, an audience know. that big
2: uh, there's a john smith out there Well, there's going to be a john smith or a bill smith somewhere out there with something wrong right so mm-hmm. i i and, it, and that's and, me was there- yeah <laughs> if, you look at it, if, if you look at his congregation okay. when when he does these things usually now the video is in a much smaller room because mm-hmm. all he's got to do is show a few miracles that's all that he has to do to convince people through the television media that this is absolutely genuine when it, it's not you know
0: yeah. with believers in the audience yeah
2: yeah 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 and and probably stooges in the audience as well i wouldn't be surprised yeah, if he's yeah. not using a few stooges i have heard that um and i actually did an interview with somebody just recently did some research i have heard they're still scared that randy's going to come do a second sting on them at some point <laughs> so they're very you know, good uh, if you work in his ministry, you're not allowed while you're in there to have a cell phone. You can't have your cell phone, you know, yeah, yeah. all of these kind of different precautions. There was one girl that did have a cell phone at one point, um, and she had worked there for a while, and she went to the other room to text her mom or somebody that was sick and came back in, and, and, and they said you know, you're not allowed to have cell phones in there. And basically they had cameras everywhere and that's how they knew this. Because she said, I didn't, I was on my cell phone and I said, you lied. But again, I don't think they would fire her in that moment because she has so much information about the ministry. So they want to keep people right. as close as they can <laughs> in the, in this day and age. If you yeah, mediums, is different too, right? I mean, you take a look at mediums. I mean, it's funny how so many of these things have all started really in scans when you, when you take a look at them. I mean, you take a look mm-hmm. at... Um, mediumship right it started with the the fox sisters you know and and Mm -hmm. in the united states down in you know hynesville which is no longer there it's actually right outside it's just now a suburb of rochester but it's called something completely different and the old burnt down house is there and they've encased it you know i've been there it's awesome i mean yeah right you
1: know it's awesome i don't know yeah
2: it it is it is bizarre the way they have it set up down there right now right yeah it's very very bizarre but you take a look at that and you know, I mean, that all started with a, an apple on a string under the bed, you know, and then it, it, it metamorphosed into, into their toes and wrap, you know, more wraps, you know, mm-hmm. that way. And then they came out and exposed it, but it already, the cat was out of the bag. I mean, They, they were the first, first rap stars. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah, they were the <laughs> yeah. first rap stars, indeed. And if I thought, I'm going to use that line with your permission. No, go yeah, for it. You know, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So, but, but it became, you know, I started, you know, I made it over to Europe and then from there, we started needing physical manifestations to prove that the ghosts were there. So that's when we started getting Mm -hmm. to, you know, the the spirit cabinet and and Mm -hmm. going from there. And now we've gone all the way in the other direction where we don't even need any of those things right now. Yeah. Just give out information. That's, that's all we need to do. Um, and I think it's sort of the smart way for them to go. And Mm -hmm. who's to say that just because something's on Facebook, that doesn't mean they got it from Facebook. Right. It just means that, you know, the spirit might have communicated the same information. So that doesn't really expose you. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. They're still going to be scrambling to believe.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're we're actually running
1: up on the end of our interview here. And I we've not talked about we've talked about really core stuff for our show about critical yeah. thinking and skepticism and how people can be deceived. But we and haven't monsters. talked about monsters. We need to talk about we'll monsters. We talk about
0: monsters in a loose sense. I mean, certainly Peter yeah, Popov yeah. is a monster. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: Def- definitely. So is so John Edwards. So is Tyler. So is, yeah, I, the Long Island medium. They're all monsters, if you but
1: do, do, do you have a favorite monster? Do you have any monsters you like? Or?
0: Well, I, I didn't prime him for this question. No, before, no, no. no. So this he's... is, like, very, very
2: <laughs> impromptu. So. I don't think I do have a favorite monster. I, I mean, I like them all. <laughs> when you were well, in, guess, in South
1: Africa, sort of like yeah, I was in South Africa. Yeah, Where, do they have any like the... local? Yeah, I'm, try, I'm, just, I'm trying to step on you, Karen. Go ahead.
2: No, yeah, I'm trying to think <laughs> of when I was a kid if there was anything like it. You know, when I was a kid because I was so young then, it was the same monster that was everywhere. It was the boogeyman out of your bed. You know, those yeah. were my monsters boogeyman. as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, we don't even about know, him. I don't even know the history of the boogeyman. I mean, what is the history? Is we don't know history? for sure. We we don't know for
1: sure, but we do know that um it it probably is closely correlated with the development of the bed yeah it has to be under there so but, but
2: why 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 the name does it got to do with boogers or oh you know okay <laughs> I'm, I'm being
1: silly but uh it, it uh, actually me too but i mean yeah, yeah. yeah I don't. it goes it goes back to booger man and it, there's like a, a there's oh is that somebody
2: from the bog maybe like a creature that lived uh, in the bog no,
1: but no i think if i remember okay I this Please don't hold me to this, listeners. But I think it was like related to like Bogart, like the same, the, like the 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 spirit, the the European spirit of the Bogart.
2: Oh, not Humphrey Bogart.
1: No, not Humphrey.
2: Like, no, no. This, this would
1: be like uh, basically a general purpose unknown monster that could pop out and get you. Yeah, I mean, I joke about it because like I always think well, it's under the monster under the bed, and like there's the monster in the closet. I think they're probably related. They're close species, but I don't think sure. they're, you know. So mm-hmm. I, we don't really know species. <laughs> You know, it's the really it's the fear of the unknown, and that that goes back as long as we're aware of like there is an unknown and we might be killed mm-hmm. by it. So you know, it's, yeah, I'm I, just try to think thing. if
2: I had a, a favorite. I I don't think I ever did. Um, you know, I'll, so I'll tell you, listeners, one thing, and they're just going to make fun of me, but I always, you, that, I, 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 no, I always think I always think back to these things. You know, here's the thing, right? And I think this is why the word skeptic got such a bad connotation, we started going more and more with critical thinking, right? Because Mm. people misunderstood what skeptic was. And I think it's because so many people, they forget that they had beliefs. They forget that when they were a kid, they were scared of certain things. They forget that they became educated in such a way that they were ignorant of what they now know. There was a time they were ignorant of this information that they had. And then when they Some people just want people and it goes back to that whole thing of like exposing tricks for no reason at all. Right. Just to show Mm -hmm. how smart you are. And it really doesn't show how smart you are. It just kind of shows a little bit of a meanness about you when it comes comes to that. But um, I, I always try to remember that when I was a kid, I remember laying in bed. And I truly like go back at this in my head and I don't know what it was. I don't know whether it was because my mom and my stepdad were always fighting and it was my way of release, but I remember little guys on my windowsill. Yep. Little guys this big with wheelbarrows doing cartwheels and doing all this stuff. And in my mind, I actually saw these guys like, and they were putting on a little show for me. Now I say that now and you go, Oh man, if I said that now you go, I was crazy. Right. But I think it was my way of, you know, of, 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 stepping away from everything else that was going on in my life. Now, I told my mom, and she did take me to the doctor. I didn't get a shot. I'm sure the (laughs) shot had nothing to do with that. It was probably just a vaccine or something like that, right? It was something, but she said it was to make them go away. And I never did Uh see them again after that. I also remember laying in bed and above uh, the doorway, there was a, a, a glass and I remember seeing shadows and ghosts up there. And it was everything, like I was sweating. It was everything in my body to get up out of bed, run at that same door because it's the only way to get out that room, open the door, run underneath them and go into my parents' room. So I remember those things and I just try to remind myself there was a time that i believed these kind of things. There was a time when I sat there with that little needle trying to get it and believe that it actually bent, right? So mm-hmm. I'm not going to think somebody else is stupid just because they have beliefs in things that I don't believe or things that seem so obvious to me. What I am going to do is try to give them some information if they want that yeah. information. Or I feel that what they're believing in can actually hurt them, right? But I'm not going to try to teach them in, in a stupid way and I'm not going to try to make them feel like idiots about it either.
0: And I think that's a really humbling thought. And my my son's going to turn five in a week and right now he has a lot of imagine, imaginary friends and yeah. uh, he's, he's worried about this invisible sickness outside. And so he's, he's just coming up with a lot of things, I think, that are comforting to him. Yeah. And uh, I think it's really great to be able to remember those things from childhood. But uh, yeah, I certainly agree with what you're saying about sceptics. And I think uh, just to add to that list too, I think some sceptics can uh, not be aware of their blind spots. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what a blind spot is. It's something you're not aware of. But a lot of people aren't terribly self-effacing and don't really look inwardly and and see the areas where they're, there, they have blind spots and hypocrisy.
2: There are times... There are times people give me a story and they say, What do you think? You know, it was it real? And and I'll I'll usually be fairly honest and say, I don't have enough information. I won't immediately say, No, it's not real. I don't believe it. I think blah blah blah. I just say, look, you, you know, there's not enough information for me to actually know. I know you believe it that it was genuine. And who knows, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You know, I just don't have mm-hmm. enough information from you to to, to, to give yeah. tell you what I think that might be. And maybe to them that's a thing of saying, like it's real, because That's how they're going to take it. Maybe they'll take it. Oh, yeah, maybe I don't have enough information either. I need to investigate it. Maybe they're going off that emotional response. You know, Penn I it was at one of the TANs, the amazing meetings. I think it was an amazing meeting. And Penn was up there. And I'm going to paraphrase this because I don't know the exact words. Okay, so forgive me, anybody that was there. Um, It's the idea that it is, right? It doesn't have to be necessarily specific. Um, But I think somebody, somebody said to Penn, they said, Penn, you know, you have kids now. What are you going to do someday when your kid comes home and tells you that he believes in Jesus and believes in God? Are you going to tell him he's an effing idiot like yeah. you do other people? You know, are you going to yell and scream at him like you do other people? I'm sure they didn't say that, but that's basically what they were saying, <laughs> right? And Penn stopped, and to his credit, he said, wow, I ha- he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. He just said, wow, I'll have to think about that. I've never really thought about this before. And I thought that was huge in that moment for Penn to realize, because now it becomes personal, right? And then years later, I heard Penn say something again, paraphrasing. Um, He said, you know, I've always, you know, I've always thought, you know, when people come up to me and say they're going to pray for me, I'm like, who the hell are you to pray for me? Like, I don't want you to pray for me. And he said, and then one day, and I guess he had been sick or something, and he said one day somebody said that to him, and he realized, wow, this person actually cares for me. They care enough to take time out of their life to pray for me, even though I don't believe in their God. I don't believe in any God. I don't believe in it. They actually care for me. Maybe more so than some of my atheist friends, you know, they're taking time to actually genuinely think about me and care for me. How can I fault that? I can fault Mm -hmm. their belief, but I can't fault the fact that they care for me. So, and it was nice to hear that. It is. He's mellowed a lot.
1: He's, he, he seems like, and I think what you said earlier is, is completely on brand for us, which is skepticism with a lot of compassion and empathy, because we've mm-hmm. all been in places where we didn't know what was going on and we were yeah. scared. And 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 there were things, that, and Karen and I, a lot of this show has been about things that scared us when we were younger and like what's really going on there. And when we uncover the truth, you, you lose the mystery, but you learn more about the world and, you know, it, it just reminds empowering. you. Empowering. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. empowering. So
2: i just i have a podcast i just did one on hearts and uh and and i I touched upon that exactly that there was when you start looking and it's called banachek's brain if anybody wants to look sorry for the plug guys no no please i was actually the banachek's brain and it's on hearts and it talks about how the human heart works and and in that in the description and the details and i'm going into the electronics of the heart i'm going to all these different areas and it's like there are so many amazing things in this world. And this is just something that's inside us, like one little mm-hmm. thing that I'm talking about that we don't really need to believe in this, the pseudoscience stuff that's out there. Oh. You know, These are tangible things that are truly, truly amazing and truly wonderful. And if we were going to say anything was a miracle, it would be those things, right? And mm-hmm. why don't we look at those things? Why don't we you know, learn about those things? Because this is things you can actually grasp. This is knowledge that we know. And there's so much about us that we don't know yet, insiders and outsiders. That we don't have to go after all the suicides. We don't have to go after the boogeyman. We don't have to go after life after death and mediums and things that we can't prove or, uh, we we certainly have disproved many times mm-hmm. that's possible. But yeah, we have at times. Yeah.
1: Well, that sounds really cool. So Banachek's brain is that's available on
2: iTunes. It is available on iTunes, other aggregators. Also, if you forget, you can go to www.banacheckspraying.com. I prefer you don't download it there because it's a lot harder to keep track of everything and leave a review too. Yeah, absolutely. And will you be
0: touring with your show as soon as you can again?
2: I have cruise ships that are booked, which seems (laughs) weird. I've had a few that have canceled. I've got to say Royal Caribbean was great on the first one they canceled. They paid me for it anyway
0: so nice. I got yeah. it was nice right
2: <laughs> the next two they cancel i did not get paid for but that's okay because i didn't do them um, but i got some in the fall i don't know what's going to happen with entertainment we, we you know th- there's so many performers here in vegas um, that basically they don't know what's going to happen. We have absolutely yep. no clue. They don't know if they have jobs to go back to. Um, yeah. Everybody's been fired. Like everybody pretty much has been fired, um, right. which is good and a bad thing because they were able to go for unemployment and things like that. But coming back, it's like, we don't really know. Is it going to be like you sit a person in a theater, one in every three, three seats? And if you do that, can you now make money? Because you've got to sell a certain amount of seats to break even. Right. So it's going to be I think the smaller shows are going to come back first. They'll all come back. Um, but the bigger shows, it's going to take a little while before they come back. Yeah. Wow. yeah. the world's changing. It sure is. I mean, I, I've got I had some casinos that were booked. Um, they say that they're postponed, but I don't have a date that they're postponed to. So we'll see. Well, good luck. I mean, yeah, good
0: luck. It's, Thank you. It's, Stay safe. I'm I'm going to be fine. Uh,
2: It's my friends that I'm really worried about. So I think we all, like,
1: yeah, we all have friends who are in peril right now, and so I'm sure some of our listeners are having their own challenges. And we appreciate everybody trying to stay together and do their best in all this. And I hope we're all okay on the other side of it. Yeah, Um,
2: Karen, when you get done with your book, I Mm
0: -hmm. want
1: you on my podcast, please.
0: I would love to to appear on your show. That'd be great. Yeah,
1: and if you need any pun consulting. You can call me. Yes,
0: you know, <laughs> <I> absolutely.
1: <laughs> um,
0: well, thank you so much for your time. It was, it was really great to see you and chat with you. And uh, I think our, our viewers have really enjoyed this.
1: Thank yeah, a lot of yeah. fun. And it was great to talk to you again. And uh, you can support us on uh, patreon.com forward slash monster talk and yeah. check out our show. And uh, we'll be back next week. See Who will we be
2: back next week with? What's
1: going Not on? me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll figure that out. All right. Thanks a lot. Have a good night. Monster Talk. You've been listening to a podcast version of Monster Talk Live, a special feature that we recorded during 2020. Links to the video version of these episodes are in the show notes. Please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, and we'll work to continue to provide good content there, including more streaming events in the future. Monster Talk is a listener supported program, and your subscription at patreon.com forward slash monster talk sustains us during these difficult times. Thank you for your support and for your positive reviews. I'm Blake Smith, and along with my co-host Karen Stolzno, we ask you to join us in being the voice of reason and science in a world that's perilous with nonsense, superstition, and dangerous misinformation. Shine your lights, everyone. Even a flickering candle can be seen for miles in the darkness. And together, we are stronger. Monster Talk theme music is by Pete Stealing Monkeys. Thank you so much for listening.